Blog Talk Radio. Perspective, but 
I began back in 1975 with the very first pick in the first round of the NFL draft, who was Steve Bartkowski, who was picked first overall by the Atlanta Falcons. And they really didn't have sports agentry then. Uh, Most players represented themselves or they were represented uh, by their parents or they just took what was offered. So there's been a great evolution since then. The basic focus of our practice is the athlete is role model. And it's to try to find ways in which to have them retrace their roots. It's going back to the high school community, the collegiate community, setting up scholarship funds, and then at the pro level, setting up a charitable foundation that does things like work duns, homes for the holidays in Atlanta and Tampa where he's put 160 um, single mothers and their families into the first home they'll ever own. So really the role is not simply negotiating more dollars in a bank book. It's setting someone up as a role model, trying to make a positive difference in the world, preparing them for second career so that three of the players I worked with in football are now minority owners of teams, uh, work done with Atlanta, um, and Ray Childress with Houston are a couple examples. So what you're trying to do is to to use the off-seasons to, to develop their skill sets, uh, whether it's business, coaching, uh, media. And so there's a true caring that goes on, and I guess that doesn't get conveyed all the time. So when Warren Moon and I started out, um, we went 23 years together as he played 23 years of football. And by uh, the time you're done, he's much more like a brother than a client. So there's a lot of caring that goes into this. And that is definitely the way it should be. Um, I saw the article earlier uh, in the Small Business Journal about how you'd encourage Troy Aikman uh, to go ahead and get into broadcasting while he was playing to ease his transition. Uh, I guess you just have to kind of find different things for different players as you kind of help shape them and prepare them for life after football, correct? If they're doing these charitable community programs, um, Bruce Smith, for example, the all-time sack leader, went into business with a construction firm with um, a whole group of people he met through growing up in Virginia Beach and going to Virginia Tech. Um, When we would have players with the 49ers who train in Santa Clara, California, you would ask them, well, can you think of any businesses that are proximate to this uh, area of Santa Clara that might be good for you to network in? Well, high tech, venture capital, So Brent Jones, the retired tight end, had a multi-billion dollar hedge fund. Steve Young's been involved in about seven different companies. Um, When it comes to something like broadcast, you have players like Desmond Howard, who are uh, one of the hosts of uh, game day for college football. So it's exploring whatever other talents they have and trying to make sure that when the end comes in, in football, baseball, basketball, boxing, whatever it is, that they can smoothly move into second career. Absolutely. We're dealing, talking with legendary super agent Lee Steinberg about all of the contributions he's made to the sport and all the players he's helped during play and after play. 
Terry Brown, the co-host, is live at the Young Center. I know he wanted to call in and talk with you as well, Mr. Stonebird. Do you have some questions for Lee TV? Um, Are you there, Terry? <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Thank you, Mr. Steinberg, okay. for coming on the show. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, one of my questions was, you know, you're, 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 when sports becomes a business, do you stop becoming a fan? Like, do you, as you're kind of watching the games and watching the guys you work with, is it just a business, you know, making sure they stay healthy and that kind of thing? Or do you, are you able to just watch a game and enjoy it? Um, not probably the way that I did before I became involved, because as you point out in your question, you're always concerned about their health. Um, you're thinking about each client and what this game means to them and uh, how it sets them up for starting or their career and the rest of it. And um, so I sort of make it a rule to not get um, down or emotionally involved when they make mistakes or having a bad day, but I can still get excited when, when they do well because um, that athlete, who the quarterback who's thrown three picks, um, doesn't need me to tell him um, that he didn't have a great day. <laughs> he doesn't need me to support him. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's, uh, and so the point is I'm going to go to where the need is and uh, I used to joke in our firm that everybody else got to go in the winning locker room. I got to go in the losing locker room because those are the players that most need you. So um, it's, uh, you, do, you do look at the sport a different way. But I love football. I grew up rooting for the L.A. Rams, and now they're back. And, um, and so I can still get really excited um, uh, when a player's a winning quarterback in the Super Bowl or something else. But you more look at it um, like the fulfillment of their dreams than just as a strict fan, and I tend to root for the players, not the teams. I definitely can see how the perspective would be different. Uh, I know it's the 20th anniversary of the movie Jerry Maguire, uh, which portrays your life and your real life, Jerry Maguire. Like, for example, with the movie Ray, you know, Jamie Foxx interacted with Ray Charles, you know, in between scenes and things like that. Did you kind of tweak each scene or were you there for everything and just kind of watch it all after it was over? How hands-on were you when the movie was being filmed? Well, before it was filmed, Cameron Crowe, the director, called me up and asked um, if he could shadow me for a film that would involve a sports agent. So we went to the NFL draft back in 1993 where I had the first pick in the draft with Drew Bledsoe. He went to the press conference afterwards. He came for a week to the NFL League meetings and watched me do deals. He came to um, pro scouting day at USC to watch the players be scouted. He went to a series of games, came to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl party. I told him lots and lots of stories. So after he wrote the script, my job was to vet the script to make sure that the willing suspension of disbelief necessary to keep you in a film so you don't think it's a spoof, you don't think it's phony, didn't uh, get broken. And um, 
then I took Cuba Gooding Jr. with me uh, down to the Super Bowl in Phoenix for a week, and he pretended he was a wide receiver to put him into role. And uh, so he was just one of my clients for the week. And I actually had to show the quarterback, Jerry O'Connell, had, uh, when you're asking about being on the set. So one day I'm looking at him, and he can't throw. He's throwing, but he's not throwing a spiral. So he had gone to NYU uh, for college, and they didn't have a football program, so I had to go show him how to throw a spiral. So um, it's um, uh, so I was on the set a fair amount, acted in a few scenes, um, but you just wanted to make sure that um, you know Tom Cruise understood the mindset of being an agent, you know, sort of on the outs trying to rebuild his career, and that. Um, Cuba Gooding understood what it was to be a player and try to achieve a breakthrough or Regina King, you know, what it'd be like watching your husband potentially get injured in a game. And so uh, there were a lot of different roles. Wow. A lot of different layers. Um, Getting back to that from the, from the agent perspective and you interacted with, you know, many, many coaches and players over the years, you hear the phrase, you know, that guy's the coach's dream. You know, if you're watching the game, the broadcaster may say that or a coach might say that, you know, in a, in a post-game interview. Then he goes on to list those attributes that make him a great player, work ethic, work ethic attitude, you know, you know, dedication, things like that. As an agent, are there different clients or athletes who are already an agent's dream kind of before you get them or – and have to mold yeah. them, or what, what, what constitutes an agent's dream? An agent's dream for me is a young man who's ambitious both off the field and on the field, who has good values, understands the importance of, uh, of uh, self-respect, family, um, the, the role of relationships, and who maybe wants to make a difference in the world. So we only take the players who are going to be – good role models trigger imitative behavior. In terms of their ability to play, yes, you look for dedication, but the one quality is the ability in adversity. You've thrown a bunch of interceptions, you've fumbled a couple times, whatever it is, and the fans are booing, everything looks helpless, and you're in a hole score-wise. Now what do you do? Are you able to compartmentalize, focus, um, tune out every peripheral stimuli and elevate your level of play um, to, to, you know, take a team forward to victory. So you're looking for someone with that ability to, to hyper-focus. The best football players still study film. They still do the hard work. Um, and that makes a difference because physically talented players get drafted all the time and they don't make it as great football players. Now, Mr. Steinberg, do you kind of scout players as, as they kind of scout agents like during bowl season or whatnot? Is that when you're kind of looking, how do these players react to certain things? Like you really, uh, Christian yes. McCaffrey? You have to be – far ahead of that cycle so that um, if you haven't visited with a player um, in the spring before their last year of football or in the fall, you, you probably don't have a chance to represent them because there are a thousand agents. 
So you're looking and researching into their background as people, but also as players, just to see how they're rated. But you have to be ahead of the curve that way because um, now players at the end of a season make agent choices very quickly. Um, part of it is because the in a sport like football, the agent pays for the training that a player does in January or February to get ready for all-star games, the combine, pro scouting day. So because of that, they want to make a fast choice. So you, you really need to um, – the best thing is to have a meeting with family or friends before the season, leave the player alone for the season so he can focus on um, football or baseball or basketball and academics, and then start again very quickly after it's up. So this is – prime time season for players making their decisions, but the smallest group of really good players are playing, tend to play in team bowl games. So they'll be playing all the way, you know, till the beginning of January. And then their eligibility is up when they walk off the field and they can make a decision. Talking with the legendary Lee Steinberg on Cast Talk Wednesday. Lee, you mentioned that you know, growing up in Southern California, you were a Rams fan. Um, as far as childhood heroes in sports across the board, whose posters were on your wall as far as guys you like well, to emulate in games? In baseball, it was pretty clear. Sandy Koufax was the best pitcher in baseball. So he was one of my two. And the other was Maury Wills. It shows how old I am. But he was, you know, <laughs> a base stealing shortstop who was so much fun to watch, but you know, they were Dodgers on the Lakers. Uh, it was uh, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor and, uh, and Will Chamberlain. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, we, our first team out here was the Dodgers. So we grew up loving them, you know, on the Rams. I loved, um, uh, Merlin Olson and the and the fearsome foursome and uh, and John Arnett and and a whole series of players. But my dad had gone to UCLA and and um, had played sports there, and so he was a fanatic. So I went to UCLA Bruin games uh, back when they still played the single wing and then uh, basketball. Um, the one year I went to UCLA, I had a class with. Uh, then Lou Alcindor, who became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But UCLA basketball was in its prime when I was younger, and they were winning everything. Um, and so it was the Dodgers, Angels, Lakers, um, and uh, Rams. That is very interesting stuff. Mr. Steinberg, we could keep you all evening, but we already know you're heading to the Bowl. Thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon. To, to join us on our show. We really, really appreciate it. We're honored, sir. And you are in the Young Center, and it is very quiet. So where have you, where have you Fort Wicks doing? I, I'm in the receiving the area right now, so I'm kind of away from everything. But it is getting loud. Crowd is filling up. The warming up in those beautiful, beautiful blue uniforms. 
Malik Monk, he looks good. He looks good. I don't know if he's going to go for 47, but he looks good. So uh, just coming into the arena and and just seeing all this kind of stuff, it is. this is what college basketball is about. I just texted you not too long ago on my way in. I ran into Jay Billis, almost literally ran into him. And, yeah, you know, I'm geeking a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Jay Williams is here. Seth Greenberg is here. I, you know, I'm – yeah, this is this is going to be exciting. This is big time. This is what you want. Right. You know, we, we in the Commonwealth, we say, you know, Indiana claims to be the, the basketball capital of the country. North Carolina with Duke and North Carolina NC State. Tet lays their claim. But right now, this is another top ten matchup between the Cats and the Cards. This is exciting. This is what you want. Uh, will Patino and his bunch be able to actually beat Kentucky? Will There's so many storylines, but the bottom line is got to win the game. This is a big-time game. I'm, and I'm, I'm definitely going to jump into the game with you. And But, I, I mean, I, I haven't been to a Kentucky Louisville game at Rutt or the Young Center. You get there early. As always, how electric is it? And is it a different electricity in the Young Center since it is? I mean, this is, I mean, you take your bell. Is it different? Can you feel it? Yeah, I'm, I'm walking out here now, and you're probably going to hear some noise, but it's electric, man. There's a lot of blue here, to be honest with you. It is very, very exciting. It is, it's different. You know, you and I got to cover the Kentucky-UT Martin game. I went to the Valpo game. Uh, this game is different. I haven't been able to cover this game uh, before, but just coming as a fan, you know it's different. It, I mean, this is, this is the game. This, this is really, really important. And uh, so far, what I've been able to tell, the, the guys are loose. The guys are relaxed. Uh, talking about the Kentucky guys. Uh, and they're ready, and, and that's really what you want. Oh, okay, there goes Bob Valvano that does color for <laughs> a local radio station here in town. He's here. I'm telling you, it, it's you know it's been a who's who uh, back in the media room and everything. So I'm just, as you know, I do. I just kind of sit back and relax, and I'm enjoying myself, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it all in as we head toward uh, tip off here. Oh, wow! I just had a. It's a little bit odd. I mean, we we barely had time to process what Malik Monk did Saturday, and now we've got a quick turnaround to get ready for Louisville. Uh, I tweeted out the other day, it's kind of like playing Golden State and then turn around and play the Grizzlies when you go from North Carolina to Louisville. But, I mean, just the players have to focus. We can talk about it now because, you know, in 37 minutes Good. it's time for the next game, but the show that Malik put on Saturday, man, un- unbelievable against a top ten opponent. I mean, and it was just well, in the flow. Well, and, he didn't even force. And here's he, exactly. And here's he only took maybe one or two kind of bad shots all night. Here's the thing to keep in mind. You know, a lot of people are going to talk about, uh, you know, Kentucky giving up a hundred points, and you have to look at pace of play. Both teams are out and running, even on made baskets. Same way with UCLA. I, I, I don't think you can get 
kind of into the numbers a little bit uh, because the pace was very, very quick, and both teams wanted to play that way, and both teams did. You had both teams shooting over 50%, and they were, they were shooting tough shots. I mean, that uh, Barry hit a couple of shots over Bam. I mean, that's not an easy feat. And you look at some of Malik's shots, that, those pull-up, fadeaway jumpers, uh, there's really no defense for that. So you got guys making tough shots. You got guys playing really, really well. Uh, I think they combined for less than 20 turnovers for such a fast-paced game. That's that's pretty darn good. That's 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 what you call not bad. Uh, so if there's a lot yeah. of positive takeaways. You look at De'Aaron Fox at 21 and 10. You know Malik Monk getting headlines. Fox didn't play bad. Briscoe hit a three in the second half to really keep North Carolina at bay. The big thing I like is we led the we led most of the game, and even when UNC excuse me made their run. We answered. We answered the bell. We didn't wither. You know, they went up three. That was a, that was a chance you can see. Okay, what is this team made of? And they played really, really well. Bam with thirteen and seven only played nineteen minutes. So uh, you have to look at the positives. One of the positives I think uh, you can look at is Isaac, Isaac Humphreys on the last couple of possessions for North Carolina kept Barry from making that. Uh, and this is going to sound familiar to people listening to Coach Cal, those straight line drives. He altered those plays. He picked up some experience in a, a big-time game, big-time atmosphere. That's going to bode well going forward. In my mind, there's a lot more positives than negatives coming out of that game. And anytime you get to put your, list on a, you put your name on an all-time list at Kentucky, whoa. I mean – with that performance, he's now mentioned with the Jody Meeks and Dan Issels and those guys. That's fantastic. What I'm going to be interested to see tonight is can he keep it going? He's a young guy. He's a freshman. Is he going to force it, or is he going to be able to do like he did on Saturday and, and really get his points? This is kind of an overused thing, but is he going to be able to get it in the flow of the offense? I think he can. I, with, with Monk and with Fox, I don't know – if, if Louisville's pressure is going to be able to bother them like it's bothered other people. Remember last year, the point guard, Tyler Euless, was so good, Louisville fell out of there kind of because he couldn't do it. I don't think they'll be able to do that tonight. Louisville is going to be the toughest defensive team that Kentucky has played, and it's going to propose a lot of uh, problems. But I, I feel confident. Uh, I think Bam picked up some good pointers during the, the, the UCLA game or UNC game, and I think he's going to be ready to go, too. So I'm excited. And and your question kind of, will Monk keep it going? Mine's along that similar similar vein. Uh, maybe a spinoff question from that question is because you know Louisville's going to, in all likelihood, try their best to take him away and – who steps up? I mean, we, we and they got to focus on Fox as well. But you would think going in, trying to somehow neutralize Monk would probably be their first priority. Who is going to step up and, you know, shoulder the load if, if he is uh, slowed down a little bit? You know, will Willis be a beneficiary of that? Uh, you know, Briscoe's playing well. Will that free things up for Bam? You know, 
it's, it's like trying to, to hold water. You can't squish it. You know, it just moves and, and shakes its way into other things. So somebody else uh, could be doing the moving and shaking to pick up four bands. You know, it'd be cool to see Willis, you know, hit some shots and stretch them out or kind of ease the pressure. Because, uh, I mean, Monk is going to be locked in. We've seen him in his brief time in big game, Madison Square Garden against Michigan State, just Saturday out there in Vegas, probably the same way tonight. You know he's going to bring it, but who else is going to be there to bring the lunch pail with him? Uh, aside from Fox, too, I, I want to see who maybe that secondary guy to bring it will be to help him out. Yeah, certainly a lot of questions to answer, a lot of uh, question marks, but with some of the national media folks saying, you know, this is a two-man team, this is X, Y, and Z, uh, I don't think that's the case. Uh, Briscoe is still kind of being that guy that's that's leading the charge, if you will. So uh, I'm not too concerned, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be hostile. It is a big, big, big game. Uh, We got a lot of guys not from Kentucky that I think are aware of the big game. But I don't know, you know, my thing is the first three or four minutes of the game to that first TV timeout, how's it going to be? Because it's, it's electric right now, and we're still 30 minutes from tip-off. So uh, I'm excited uh, about it. Um, but I think that what we will see is kind of the recipe that we've, ha- we've seen in these games since Cal's been here. I think we'll see Louisville's kind of pace come out for maybe, you know, the first half, maybe a little bit the second half, but I just think that the, the talent gap, which I think there still is a talent gap, will will separate Kentucky in the second half. And I'm, I'm thinking the seven or eight point win, I don't anticipate us getting into the 90s, but uh, I definitely think that uh, the, the Cats are ready. Uh, I know Louisville is a supreme defensive team, but I just don't think they can score enough points. And we've we've talked about it on the football side, how the gap between Kentucky and Louisville is probably closer than anybody thinks. You know, the same can be said when you flip the script on the basketball side. You know, Kentucky won eight out of nine. But you think about last year at Rupp Arena, I think uh, Damian Lee had a shot to win the game, but he won by two. We had the Tyler Eulis game that was close uh, in Louisville. They so won that game by eight. So um, it's, it's always going to be a close, hard-fought game. And, you know, Louisville really had a shot to win it last year. That You kind of had your heart in your hands until that last shot missed. Uh, it's going to be tough tonight. One thing, though, I do think, even though, you know, Kentucky's record in opening games is two and five in the Cavs, that drum has gotten beaten a lot since Saturday afternoon. The true road game, true road game, true road game at Louisville. And no doubt it's going to be hostile. There's a lot of red in there. You're there. You're going to feel all the hostility when the game starts, when the starting lineup starts. But I, I still, and Louisville, I mean, Louisville could win the game, but I still think that's, that's overblown, even though it is a young team going into Louisville for their first true road game of the season. Now, I agree with you. I'm I'm back out on the court just to take a look. Both teams are shooting around. Uh, the thing is, this is a road game, 
but it's not like there was a big travel day. It's not as if it it was, uh, you know, it's really, a, you know, flying out to Vegas. I mean, it's a, it's a bus ride, so I don't know. It's a road game, but I don't know if you can read too much into it because their schedules can say so much the same. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, what I'm going to do is it's, we're about 30 minutes from tip-off. i got to find my seat uh, and everything, and I hope to check in with you once I, once I get my seat. Sounds good, but I appreciate you getting set up to call home right when the show started. Appreciate you calling me and talking to Lee Feinberg. How fucking was that? Uh, we'll definitely have to reflect on that you know, maybe next week. But we're all definitely looking forward to the game. And we appreciate the opportunity to talk to Lee and look forward to talking to you again uh, a few minutes before it kicks off. Yeah, I'm going to try my best to get my seat and get settled. It is filling in. But I'll tell you something, Blue got in, ladies and gentlemen. Blue got into the Yum Center. That's what I'm talking about. We love to hear that, and I can't wait to see all that blue on the TV. Look forward to talking to you in a second. We'll take a quick break now uh, on Cash Talk Wednesday. TV is live at the Yum Center. We just talked to Lee Steinberg. 27 minutes and taking a little bit of tips off. Terry just told us that Blue got in. What more could you ask for on this Wednesday evening? 845-277-9373. Give us a call if you like. We'll be rolling right up to the game. We're probably until the first half. Vinny Hardy here. Terry Brown at the Young Center. Stay right with us. We will be right back. I think I'm 
And of course, yeah, Louisville fans and Kentucky fans on their show, so they have a, they have a fun little back and forth going on between L.J. Murph and uh, Matt on the 35th Kentucky show. I made my prediction there. I said all that to say this. I made my prediction for UK U of L on the 35th Kentucky show. So look, you make a prediction, you got it. You got to stick with it, especially if it's one of the own air deals. You can't backtrack from it. Uh, so I'm going to make the same score prediction I made on the 36th Kentucky show on our show. Um, I'm thinking that Rick Pitino, after all that, let's run, let's play ping pong talk, I'm thinking that he ultimately will not do that. I'm thinking that he will try to grind it out, try to uh, play to his strength, which is Louisville being a good defensive team, and a lot of big guys uh, trying to uh, beat Kentucky in the battle on the glass, which, you know, Kentucky's still trying to uh, get to where they need to be, rebounding. They did well Saturday. Uh, can they do it again? Can they, can they continue to be rugged in that department? So, you know, I'm going to pick a lower score. I'm not going 80s or 90s uh, track meet style. I'm picking Kentucky uh, to win 71 to 64. Uh, 71 is really low for Kentucky standards uh, as far as scoring output is concerned. Uh, but Louisville would, you know, like we would have to, you know, offensively play out of their mind to put a lot of points on the board. And they haven't, to this point, shown the ability to be able to do that. So I'm going to say 71-64, more of a physical grinded out game. Uh, we remember the game with uh, – for Tyler Ulis when he got bloodied up in Louisville uh, his freshman year, but yet he came off the bench in that second half and had a great impact. The score of that game was 58 to 50. You know, Kentucky won by eight, but points were at a premium. Uh, points, in my opinion, will be a, a, a little more acceptable than maybe gotten a little bit more freely tonight, but it's not going to, I'm not saying 103, 100 or. 95, 90, or anything like that. So, 71 to 64, Kentucky winning it by making it 9 out of 10 over Rick Pitino and those Louisville Cardinals. So, uh, almost 15 minutes away. We'll take another quick break. We're going to roll right up to the game, and then, of course, we'll all be watching the game. I'm going to stay on the air. Uh, while the game is on and going, talk about some miscellaneous things as well as comment on the game. It's going to be a lot of fun. We can't wait. 7 o'clock is almost here. Uh, it, it's, you know, we don't have to wait a full week, and it's cool that the game is on Wednesday from that standpoint. Uh, we don't have to continue to wait until Saturday. Um, so you got to do to that. Don't get to save North Carolina as long. Don't have to wait as long for Luke. So, hey, give and take. That's what you get, kind of meet in the middle. And here we are playing on Wednesday night. 7 o'clock, Yum Center. Y'all know what's up. It's about that time for Chats to go 9 out of 10 against the Cardinals from Louisville. Take another quick break. Be right back to roll right up to tip-off. See if TB is going to call again. And so after you have a seat, what's up with him? We'll get ready for the tip. Chats and Tars coming up. Chats on Wednesday. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, Cats Talk Wednesday, Cats versus Cards Edition, UK play in Louisville, in 12 minutes and change, we get to see another edition of Red versus Blue, Cats versus Cards, best robbery in college basketball, about that time, 845-277-9373, if you want to give us a call, TV is on his way to the seat, in Crest Road, he's covering here for CaramelsRadio.com. He might give us a call back just to uh, give us the vibe one more time from the Young Center. Uh, if not, we understand. Check him out on Twitter at The Mill Show or T Brown underscore 80. Uh, he's tweeting pictures and videos and, uh, from right there, straight from the source, The Young Center. I want to thank Mr. Lee Steinberg once again for joining us right off the bat at 6 o'clock, taking time out of his afternoon before he went to San Diego. Uh, to the San Diego County Credit Union Point City Bowl Holiday Bowl. Um, so look forward to that as well. Uh, and we thank him for taking the time to join on the show. Terry, like you said, is up there just rubbing shoulders with all the high-profile media types. Jay Billis, um, Jay Williams, two Duke guys that have become likable. Uh, Jay lost to the Cardinals 30 years ago in the national championship, the 86 team, the second one for Denny Crum. But he's kind of become the man when it comes to broadcasting games, the number one analyst. Uh, Seth Greenberg, Jay Williams, all the big names are there. So Terry's going to run into him. So that is cool. Uh, it was cool seeing him take me that he ran into Jay Billis. So, yeah, I can see that he would uh, probably geek. Uh, about the fact that that had it happened, ran into Jay Billis himself. Mr. I got to go to work, see him on Twitter first thing in the morning, tweeting out some rap lyrics and then finish it off, I got to go to work. Got to Jay Billis. Smart as he can be, but funny too, because this is like a cool dude um, and a straight shooter as well. So we've got about 10 minutes to go. And this thing will be on and popping, cats and cards. I think Fox and Willis kind of have to, you know, go combo double duty, so to speak, because you, you would think that Louisville's going to try their best to go at Monk to, to keep him from getting off, to make it harder for him to be such an electric. Now, I mean, you some, you know, you can elevate and get a shot off basically any time you want. And with that ability to his game, you can't shut him out totally. Um, but you can see him trying to make him work, 
trying to rough him up, trying to make him work on a defensive end, maybe trying to run a couple guys at him offensively. Maybe they run some kind of zone or special matchup zone just for him. But you know, I mean, their fights are going to be on him, you know. They're going to be keying on him first and foremost. Uh, they saw what he did in North Carolina. Uh, we're talking with Terry, too, um, about how the Kentucky Evers, you know, they lost the lead late. They were they had the lead from both of the game, lost it, got it back, didn't falter, didn't waver. The shot Monk hit from the left wing where he pumped fake and then elevated and still knocked it down, the degree of difficulty there uh, is very high. He made it look easy. Uh, we see we see it a lot now, um, especially in the NBA. You see the Splash Brothers, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, guys run at them, try to chase them off of that three. They will pump fake and maybe take a side step and a dribble and then shoot. Most of straight pump fake and his right foot kind of went in front of his left foot a little bit, brought it all back, gathered himself, squared up, and then just elevated from a flat-footed position, not in rhythm of the catch-and-shoot. Talk, had to pump fake, took a step, stepped back, and then gathered, and then rose up and still hit the shot. Now, that is extremely tough to do. And he was still clutch enough to knock it down. So uh, an unbelievable shot, an unbelievable performance. Um, and as good as Jan Fox was, it, it was it was a, a quiet twenty and ten, if that makes any sense. That speaks to how special Malik Monk was. When Fox has twenty and ten, and it's it's quiet. It almost went under the radar. And you got to give North Carolina credit. Barry came back from injury. That was his first game back, and he was balling. Jackson from North Carolina had 28. He was balling. So they had a couple of guys doing work as well. Uh, Mix did a few things down low, um, and then you know, before he fouled out, Bam got to stay out of foul trouble, and we say that every game. But um, especially with the quantity of Big man Louisville can roll out there. Uh, we say that every game. Bam's got to stay out of foul trouble. Just like I say every game, you know, Malik Monk continues to surprise. At some point, he's got to, we got to stop being surprised by it. But it's just that he is still, I mean, I knew he was good, but I think I just didn't know he was this good. We still say that. You know, he, he, he showed out against Michigan State. I mean, we saw what he did Saturday night. You know, he's consistently bringing it from a scoring standpoint every game. There's games where he has some good assist numbers as well, even though he is, you know, a shooting guard. It was the primary scoring type guard. Play in transition in the open court where he faked the crossover, uh, faked the right to left crossover, kept it in his right hand, and then finished with a double pump layup. You know, uh, Bill Raptor was going crazy because he got laundry on the floor because he absolutely left his defender, you know, dead in his tracks. At about the free throw line, he went on into the paint and finished the move easily. Uh, 
so and you know, Calipari continuing to tell him, drive it, drive it, drive it, get to the line, drive. And it ended up kind of being the James Young moment against Wichita State where you heard about the play was such and such. James Young just got the ball, shot a three, and made it. Cal is telling Malik Monk, drive it, attack the cup to the rim, get to the free throw line. Don't just stand back there and drain jumpers, even though you are doing that. Cal still preaching, you know, flash all the tools of your game. Show all the repertoire. And in this particular instance, Malik Monk shot it and made it. So there will still be times that he's going to show the repertoire. Uh, I still see, you know, and we know how athletic he is. We know about the first step. We know he can handle it. We know he can elevate. Uh, he can get to the rim. He can hit mid-range jumpers. He's splashing threes. Um, there's still going to be, uh, I'll go ahead and say it, still going to be some Derek Anderson-esque type moments where he gets to the rim and just, just bangs on somebody. Nasty, nasty dunks on some, some big men that are trying to rotate over and, you know, get there a few seconds too late. Um, you see that happening because teams are going to have to eventually get in his hip pocket and try to take the three away from him. And when you're as good as he is, as versatile as he is, like any coach will tell you when you're a little kid or when your dad will tell you when you're at the park, I want you to be able to dribble with both hands. And that way, when you're twice as hard to guard. So when you got your shot working and you got to step up and try to crowd you and take your shot, well, now you can go to the basket. And that way, you know, if they're playing off of you again, then you can go back to hitting the shot. That's where Malik Monk is, you know. Baseball, we talk about all the time, adjustment. You know, um, pitchers adjusting to hitters second and third time through the order. And, you know, the, the hitters are trying to adjust and, and think along with the pitchers to see what kind of pitches they'll be facing in certain counts. Same thing with Malik Monk. Uh, as the defense is adjusting him, he is more than skilled enough to counter whatever adjustments they make. Uh, if he needs to get to the basket, he will. They're taking away uh, his shot, crowding, taking away his airspace, then he can get by and pull up from mid-range. Nobody steps up in the middle of the paint. He can go all the way to the rim if need be. So the versatility is there, uh, which just makes him extremely hard to guard, or as the analysts like to say, a tough cover. Malik Monk is exactly that. A very tough cover. So um, we are about two minutes away. So get yourself situated. Feel free. Mute the games. Keep the show on. If you got the game unmuted, catch the podcast later because uh, the show will continue to roll on till probably about halftime. Halftime probably be around eight or so. Um, and then we'll all watch that second half together just like we watched the first half together. Anticipation is building. Another episode of Cast Talk Wednesday, episode 110, halfway home. We got hour two coming up. We got casting cards coming up. 
It is going to be a fun night. The evening is young. So stay right with us. We'll be right back. Get yourself ready. Get your popcorn. Get your beverages of choice. Do whatever it is you got to do to get yourself ready for the game because it is that time. Big Blue Nation. We'll be right back. 845-277-9373. Cast Talk Wednesday. Brown and Hardy Radio Network. BlogTalkRadio.com.
courtside, bringing us the game, showing us flashbacks of how these teams operate. The course started right off with Malik 47, second most points allowed by North Carolina all time. Uh, freshman single game record for UK. Um, so, I mean, the accolades went on and on and on. Fox and Monk swept the uh, SEC Players of the Week and Freshman of the Week, uh, as you would expect after doing uh, what they did out in Vegas against the Tar Heels. So, um, it was unbelievable. You know, freshman scoring record for Kentucky, 47 against North Carolina. It wasn't against, um, you know, one of those – it wasn't against Canisius or Chaminade or Alcor State, somebody like that. It was against a quality opponent, uh, neutral site game. Um, so it was unreal. And now it is uh, time to get things rolling. Maria Taylor on the sidelines. Dave Billis, Dan Schumann, Derek Willis. That's who uh, I would like to see uh, jump in there and have a big game. Step up and have a big game against uh, a good team. We've seen that some, some some big games against teams that aren't so great, but uh, he can step up and do some damage against the cards. Fox, Frisco, Monk, Gabriel, and Bam are the starters. Snyder, Mitchell, Dingadale, Jalen Johnson, Mangot, Matthew for Louisville. Both teams 10 and 1. Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell uh, going against Fox and Briscoe. And Bam in foul trouble. That's the thing as well. Uh, Want to keep him out of foul trouble going up against those Louisville big men. Um, Briscoe did not play last year. Uh, he got hurt in pregame warm ups. So this will be his first time uh, seeing action against the card. So uh, looking forward to see what he uh, brings to the table as well. And this will be Louisville's first taste of Briscoe, or vice versa, two-way street. So at the time, tip-off starts now. The wait is over as uh, both teams are rolling. It's UK, U of L right now as we speak. So uh, enjoy the game. I'll hit some little miscellaneous stuff that, you know, meant to bring up earlier or would have brought up, uh, maybe, you know, how we kind of backtrack sometimes. Uh, Kentucky goes to Monk right off the bat. Uh, he misses the three. Uh, Louisville is out trying to run a little bit. We'll see what happens. Oh, got a clean block. Louisville gets it back. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Both teams kind of fill each other out. I'll switch up to my Dallas Cowboys as they have announced the Pro Bowl players, teams that will be representing uh, their franchises in the Pro Bowl. And even though I can't stand the Pro Bowl at all, it's still cool to know that a bunch of Dallas Cowboys are going to be there. Uh, Three members of that awesome offensive line, uh, are going to be there as well. Frederick Martin, um, and, of course, we got a couple rookies, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, making history. Uh, first two rookies 
to make the Pro Bowl from the same team. So how awesome is that? Uh, just continue to make history. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott has played or set for touchdowns by a rookie. Um, that Prescott, you know, starting off the year with uh, out an interception. Uh, that streak as well. Briscoe goes to the line. Almost had an M1. Kentucky leads two to nothing. Uh, a minute and 42 seconds into the game. Both teams 10 and 1. Kentucky number six. Louisville number 10. <coughs> Kentucky's first bucket off a turnover in transition. So uh, we'll see if the ping pong stuff is going to be true from one Rick Patino. We will see if that is the case. <coughs> Excuse me. Going back to my Cowboys in the Pro Bowl, I guess I'm just talking miscellaneous things right now as everybody's watching the ball game, but uh, giving out props to my team. Uh, first time in Dallas history that uh, two records of the Pro Bowl. Congrats to Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott for having Pro Bowl-worthy years. Uh, Louisville gets on the board with a three. This is now... Kentucky four, Louisville three. Kentucky uh, going to be taking Malik Monk to the line if he got fouled uh, attempting a dunk. So once again, they got behind the defense, uh, bringing the ball out quickly, getting back quickly after a made basket, putting pressure on the Cardinals defense. Sean Lee is one of my Cowboys that did not make the Pro Bowl, who should have been been healthy all season, being the main cog in the defense. Uh, just continue to get better week after week after week. Um, but he will definitely use that as motivation. He should have been there as well. Congrats to uh, the five that did make it. Uh, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, um, Travis Frederick, and let me get the other two. Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, and, of course, big Tyron Smith, the left tackle. Uh, No-brainer as far as heading to Pro Bowls. Uh, so three guys from the line, two guys in the backfield, quarterback and running back. Congratulations to Zach and Zeke. Um, Monday night, Detroit Lions come to town. Dallas Cowboys still have work to do. They uh, have yet to clinch the division because they have a two-game lead over the New York Giants, two games to play. Um, and these teams are getting up and down the court. Kennedy is 8 for 5. Benny Gabriel just got beat on defense for a layup. So he's continuing to see teams attack him as well as Derek Willis when they're out there in the game, trying to get them in switches, trying to get them mismatches. And go at them off of the bounce. Uh, we'll be trying to shoot the ball well. It's eight to seven. But Kentucky continues to beat them back uh, in transition. Kentucky leads ten to seven. Bam gets an easy dunk. Kentucky is wearing them out in transition right now. Hopefully that continues. Um, Ricky Tino is already irate. Kentucky leads 10 to 7, 16.46 left in the first half. Got to talk about Russell Westbrook as well. Uh, he continued to make history with a lot of triple doubles. Um, 
seven in a row. Street got snapped. But just the way the dude does it, it's, it's triple-doubles are hard to do. He makes it look very, very easy. Um, even when he doesn't play well, like you look up and he's still flirting with a triple-double. The game against uh, Houston, second time there in Oklahoma City, they played each other. Uh, the Rockets won. Uh, in Oklahoma City, they were in the midst of winning 10 in a row. And uh, Kentucky still 10-7. The Rockets were in the midst of winning 10 in a row. They played the Thunder in OKC. And Westbrook, you know, it, it wasn't coming easy for him. At the halftime, he still had like 8.7 rebounds, 7 assists, and he was struggling. Uh, Patrick Beverly was still talking him. We know they've got a history. Uh, Derek Willis is into the game for Kentucky. Uh, four winning Gabriel. Cats lead 10 to 7. Briscoe with a mid range jumper, a little hard. A little back down trying to cut the lead to one or tie with a three point basket. But, uh, you know, Westbrook just can almost be like a triple double every night. And, and we know that's not easy. Um, you know, James Harden is now the all time leading. Uh, triple-double guy in Rockets history. He surpassed the King Lajuan. Uh, LeBron James can do it very easily as well. Uh, but these guys are making it look so easy, and we know that that's not the case. Houston finally lost the game, uh, 10 in a row, saw the streak snapped by the rival San Antonio Spurs last night in Houston. They lost 102 to 100, uh, down seven at the half, came back to take the lead. He even had a six-point lead in the fourth quarter uh, before falling to the Spurs, 102-100. Dan Carden continues to do his thing as he's done all season. The Rockets are going to be without uh, Clint Capella for about probably six weeks. going to be evaluated in four weeks. Uh, he collided with former Cat Carl Towns in Minnesota, a game where the Rockets came from behind to beat the Timberwolves in the midst of that uh, 10-game winning streak as Louisville was trying to hit some threes tonight. And since you know they would, somebody would definitely go out of their mind. They would shoot better than you would think they would. Uh, and that's happening right now. Uh, but Clint Coachella, you know, fractured his fibula against the Timberwolves. In the collision with Carl Towns, Malik Monk has his second field goal this time, knocking down a mid-range jump for 14-12 Kentucky. 15-15 left in the first half. So Houston will have to adjust. Capella uh, and Harden were really good in the pick and roll. Harden was hitting him with lobs. Uh, they just had a flow, had a chemistry that worked really well for them. Uh, so now they'll have to adjust to that. Mike D'Antoni will have to tweak the offense to find you know, more effective ways for uh, guys to help James Harden. Then Fox hit the three. Kentucky's up 17-12. to 12. That is a good sign. If he can stroke it uh, from deep, we know how he is getting to the rim. Uh, we can't stop him. If he starts hitting threes as well, look out. And Louisville comes up empty. Kentucky continues to lead 17-12. to 12. Um, To replace Capella, the Rockets may look to make a trade for a big man. Um, former Louisville Cardinal, um, Anwaku, the guy who shot granny shots last year at Rupp Arena, uh, has been in 
the, the D-League system for the Rockets, uh, Real Grand Valley Vipers. He got called up, uh, so maybe he can help uh, replace some of the uh, you know minutes and production from Clint Capella. Um, you also have another local Cardinal there, Montrez Harrell. They were all familiar with as Kentucky fans. He's playing well. Uh, another name that we're familiar with, former Wisconsin Badger Sam Decker, uh, is also on the Houston Rockets. So a lot of rivals in college, guys that we don't really care for, guys you love to root against. And now that when they, you know, they, me personally, when they get to my protein, I don't have a problem rooting for them. You know, uh, we, we saw Sam Decker deep in a tournament two years in a row. So Alex Porter dunked all over him one year. We saw him get the better of Devin Booker in the post the following year. Um, but Anuaku, Montrez Harrell, Sam Decker, uh, sponsor production from the young, those young guys, if they make a trade and bring somebody else in, hopefully they can continue uh, to keep the success going, uh, keep winning more than they lose. Uh, they've established themselves as a good team in the Western Conference so far, so hopefully they can keep that rolling. Uh, one thing that uh, we talked about as far as the NBA is concerned, and Terry is not here to talk about his Lakers, but once he's back uh, for a full show, we'll get on that again. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the Lakers had gotten off uh, to a good start. Uh, they had, I think, were 8 and 10 heading into Chicago to play for. Uh, played the Bulls a few weeks ago, and then they got smacked down with an eight-game losing streak. Uh, they had reached eight or nine wins so early, you know, it looked like you know people talking like maybe they can sneak into the playoffs. And this is coming off of the year last year when they were 17 and 65. And here in the first month of the season, you know, at the end of November they had eight wins, so they're almost halfway to their total all of last year. So I tell you, you know. Will the Lakers surpass their total of 17 wins before the end of the calendar year? Before we flip over to 2017, at that point, it looked like the Lakers were going to have 17 wins. And then, you know, this eight-game loser streak, and now uh, reality is kind of setting in. They've had some injuries to some of their young guys, D'Angelo Russell, Slaggy uh, P, uh, Jewish Randall still playing well, but you can tell that they still have a lot of building to do, especially in the tough Western Conference. And the thought of getting to 17 wins prior to December 31st, 2016, was uh, definitely a good thought, but now it, it is just a thought because. Um, today is December the 21st, and let's see the uh, let's see where the standings are for the Western Conference Pacific Division. The Lakers are 11 and 20. So uh, yeah, it's not going to happen getting 17 or more wins before the first year. It was a nice thought though. Uh, the game is back on. Kentucky is leading up with 17 to 14. 13 minutes, 40 seconds left. Uh, Kentucky's had little moments while they tried to pull away. He had a turnover by De'Aaron Fox uh, where he missed the teammate for an open three. Dribbled in, 
and uh, tried to kick it out and uh, just missed and made a bad pass. Rule just does the same thing with an unforced error. But uh, maybe you can tell you he can kind of separate. They've already been and not really been intimidated. You know, they've kind of done their thing, haven't really been phased by the noise, not, you know, fumbling around and, and, you know, being scared of the environment. So that is good to see. Michael Mulder has already uh, made his presence, made his entrance into the game. Briscoe uh, goes all the way and hits Michael Mulder for a three. Kentucky leads 20-14. to 14. And you guys know, I've been talking about it all year, leading up to the season. Michael Motor get in, do some work, hit some shots, and he's done it all year long. Ooh, what a block. Looks like it might be a foul on Kentucky, I guess. Uh, but Michael Motor just got in and just busted a three already. He also plays good defense. Uh, he also came in as a shooter, and that's what he's done this year. Last year he just couldn't get it clicking. Um, it just shows the stat. Kentucky 15-2 versus Louisville, and both teams are ranked in the top 25. So, wow. You know, oh, Briscoe just got his shot swatted. And uh, a misty ball handling by the Louisville guy. That is way too easy. Get up, Michael Mulder. Oh, jump ball. Foul on Humphreys. Probably so. Uh, so he's still holding that six-point lead, which is cool. We will take us a break. Uh, know it's a little bit of rambling radio because I am on the air. But watching the game just like you all, and look, it's Kentucky Louisville, so, uh, you know, you're going to hang and, and, you know, be in suspense as to what's happening. Um, but we had a great show. TV is there. We are watching, having a lot of fun. We'll take a quick break. Vinny Hardy taking us to 8 o'clock. Cat Talk Wednesday. Brandon Hardy Radio Network.
players from each team receive bowl swag, gifts, being down there, being part of it, making it to uh, the bowl games. We're going to look at some of the gifts that each team is going to receive. Uh, Fox just makes a steal, and that should be goaltending. No, he's going to the line. Um, SB Nation had an article uh, about the scoop on some of the swag that these teams are getting. Bowl gifts to give you the most bang for your buck. The quick lane bowl between Boston College, Patrick Toles for the cat up there, playing for the BC Eagles. Boston College versus Maryland. They get a $200 Best Buy gift card, JBL headphones, uh, a life-size fathead decal, decal player of his likeness, a hoodie, a winter hat, rockable apparel socks, backpack, and a vintage football. So, you know, getting a fathead of yourself, uh, that'd be pretty cool. You know, you play for Boston College of Maryland, getting a lifestyle fathead of yourself. So that's pretty neat. Um, moving on to the next bowl, let's see. We have the Alamo Bowl, Colorado versus Oklahoma State. They get an Apple Watch, Nike, Apple Watch Nike, plus $110 Best Buy gift card, a My Charge Hub Plus portable charger, a team panoramic photo, and a mini helmet. Uh, the Apple Watch Nike starts at $400, so that's pretty cool. And then you get a $110 Best Buy gift card uh, in addition to that. The Belt Bowl over in Charlotte, uh, Arkansas versus Virginia Tech. Get a shopping trip to Belk and a fossil watch. Um, so, you know, those players, some players might like to shop, some might not. But uh, shopping spree is all right. Get you some clothes, get you some stuff like that. Citrus Bowl, speaking of Louisville, uh, Cardinals are playing right now, Kentucky in basketball. Cardinals. Last played against Kentucky football, lost 41 to 38. Louisville is playing LSU, and let's see. The Citrus Bowl, they get a $305 Best Buy shopping trip. Uh, Timely Watch Company Watch, Eye Slide Sandals, which is cool. I think Walter McCarty is in with that. I think he had some made for 916. Cameron Mills, Anthony Epps, and those guys. Uh, they get a beach towel, an athletic performance. Outback Bowl, Florida versus Iowa. $150 Best Buy gift card, Outback Steakhouse gift card, a Fossil Watch, a Justin Ring. Wow, remember that Justin? Like they were on it when it came to class rings in high school. Justin's was the company. This is one of the names you may have not heard of in a while, but you don't forget it. Justin's all about that class ring, and obviously they're all about the bowl ring because they will be providing Florida and Iowa uh, with some with some rings. And you get a bowl hat as well. Um, Fiesta Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, this is a big one. The playoff uh, game, playoff bowl game, winner advances to the national championship game. Clemson versus Ohio State, get a gift suite or PS4 game and accessory bundle. OGO throttle backpack, fossil watch, 
and let's see, the Peach Bowl, the other bracket, other side of the bracket, Alabama and Washington, $300 vanilla Visa gift card, uh, Incom, JBL Bluetooth speaker, fossil watch, and a football. Wow, so yeah, that's pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, Derek Willis just scored, move the leads 24-22, eight minutes left in the first half. Uh, well, that was the gifts that are the most bang for your buck. Now we move on to the gifts that are the most fun. And the first one is the Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, Louisiana Tech and Navy in a gift suite, Finrod Festive Wear Holiday Sweater, a football beanie. Well, these sweaters are, uh, you know, very, very loud, very, very bright, very, very colorful. So wintry, festive type deal. So that's that's kind of a fun thing everybody likes to wear this time of year. The Mexico Bowl, that was that bowl has been played. I think that was played yesterday or the day before. It's weird. Now I watch all the regular season games religiously in the SEC, especially get to the bowl games. It's kind of like the Pro Bowl. I don't really keep up with it, you know, until it's time for the playoff games. You know, if I'm at a sports bar at a friend's house or something like that, and the bowl game is on, yeah, okay, I'll watch. Okay, cool. But as far as just making sure I have to see that game, that's not really the case uh, when it gets to just random bowl games. Um, but the players for University of Texas, San Antonio, and New Mexico, they received a gift suite, Oakley sunglasses, uh, Enduro 25 backpack, Bluetooth earbuds, a beanie, uh, Guild and Stadium blanket, cap, and a selfie stick. Wow, so that's cool. Uh, all the young people, all the all the kids love the selfies, love the selfie sticks. Uh, a lot of players are probably putting that to good use already. The Arizona Bowl, Air Force versus South Alabama, a red inflatable big lazy couch, Zilco watch, OGO rucksack, Beats by Dre, Power Beats, two headphones with a case. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, no sweat special socks, so that's cool. Beats by Dre, no sweat socks, that's cool. Beans, that's cool. Um, let's see. Here we go. Jordan taking Kentucky in a Tax Slayer Bowl. Let's see what the players get. A fossil watch, carry-on bag, under armor sunglasses, football, bobblehead with the player's face, name, and uniform number. Not a lifestyle fat head, but hey, here's a bobblehead with your name and uniform number and so on and so forth on it. Part of Dallas Bowl, Army North Texas, the gift suite, Amazon Echo Dot, football. Uh, so it's cool. You've seen all those commercials, Amazon Echo Dot. Uh, that's all right. Miami Beach Bowl, Central Michigan and Tulsa. Uh, that game has already been played. These guys have already gotten their gifts under our backpack. Patent sunglasses, eye slide sandals, portable power bank, beach paddle ball set, football. Uh, hey, beach paddle ball, it's all right. Hawaii Bowl, Middle Tennessee State versus Hawaii. I mean, MTSU to get a trip to Hawaii. Well, that's, that's cool. Uh, flag, electronics, U Suite, Oakley backpack and homebook sunglasses. Tori Richard, Aloha shirt. Beach towel, uh, pro athletics, surf trunks. Performance here. Um, the Texas Bowl, K State, Kansas State, and Texas A&M. This is an old matchup from the Big 12. Gift suite, belt buckle. They win Texas. 
Adidas backpack, I fly family. Uh, and the Texas Bowl, it's got a picture of the backpack. It is what you'd expect for Texas. Big old, don't mess with Texas type, oval football shaped belt buckle. So uh, let's see. Gifts that players might not be as thrilled to get. Liberty Bowl, Georgia, TCU, Bass, Pro Shops, Shopping Trip. Uh, that's some guys on the team that will like Bass Pro Shops. Not every guy will, but that's the case with everything. Um, let's see. Oculus Pro Team HD binoculars, Volvo Watch, Nike Athletic Shoes, Sports Sandals, Backpack, Sunglasses, and Football. Kentucky still trails 24-22, seven and a half minutes left. Uh, Cats have the ball. Fox steps out of bounds. Dollar General Bowl, Ohio versus Troy, a little duffel bag, pure boom, wild headphones, Wilson Sutner game ball, RTIC soft pack 40 cooler, Highly Watch Company watch. Military Bowl, Temple Wake Forest, $300 Microsoft gift card, under the backpack, and beanie and headphones. Oh. So let's see. And down out of bounds. Looks like another turnover. Oh, no, they're going to stay. The ball stays with Kentucky. Looks like a lot of attempts. And Louisville player came down out of bounds. The referees are saying no. Louisville ball still up 24-22. And now they have a lob that works. 26-22 I was told Eastern Michigan Old Dominion, a gift suite, drink bottle, Java Bluetooth speakers, drawstring backpack, a beach towel, and a pin. So, South uh, Carolina, South Florida, gift suite, ESPN beanie, power charger, USB adapter, and a souvenir football. Louisville leads 26-22, just hit another three of 29-22. Shooting threes way better than you normally see them shoot. Things do against Kentucky. Shoot better. Wow, what a tough shot by Fox. Shoot better than they normally do, and Louisville has hit some threes already. Uh, you fired up, just hit another one. They lead 29-24, 6-14 left in the first half. Cactus Bowl, Baylor, Boise State, did a gift sweep. Baja 7 backpack, fossil watch, and a mixer bottle. We're just looking at all the swag that all the bowl teams get, and it's a wide variety uh, of different types of gifts for each respective team. Uh, Indiana and Utah in the Foster Farms Bowl, a gift suite, fossil watch, Timbuktu backpack, big three by Derek Willis, gets the cats back to within two. Good to see, good to see, because, like you said, we're going to try to take Malik Monk away. Somebody's got to step up. I mean, you can't expect 47 every night. So uh, expect them to probably come back down to earth, but you want to see other guys step up. Kentucky's right back in it. Just keep your poise. Stay cool. Play defense. Still don't expect Louisville to keep shooting this way as well. Tough shot. And there's a mystery pointed by Louisville. This guy outworks. On the boards, he walked. And Paul Salah Willis, 31-27, moving right now, 5-11 left. Holiday Bowl, Minnesota, Washington State, get a gift suite, Fossil Watch, and New York Cap. That's not really a lot of stuff. It's better than nothing, but 
kind of swaggy, some of these other bowls. Independence Bowl, North Carolina State, Vandy, Gift Sweet, Tom Lee Watch, Don't Be Watch, Meet Your Skull Cap, and Football. <coughs> Las Vegas Bowl, San Diego State, and Houston, Gift Sweet, Oakley Backpack, Beanie, and a Cap. Las Vegas Bowl, San Diego State, and Houston, just did that with New City Bowl, Nebraska, and Tennessee. Wow. A Gift Sweet, and a Fossil Watch. The New Orleans Bowl, Southern Miss, Louisiana Lafayette. Good rebound by Fox. Cats for the chance to tie. Uh, penetration, you get it to Michael Motor, off shot. And then Gabriel gets fouled, goes to the line for shooting two. Give Sweet and the Fossil Watch, Southern Miss, Louisiana Lafayette. Orange Bowl, Florida State, Michigan. Give Sweet, Turner Watch, and Shut Mini Helmet. Poinsettia Bowl, where Mr. Lee Steinberg is headed to right now. BYU, Wyoming, Gift Sweet, Fossil Watch, New Era Cap, Potato Bowl, which I mean, it's in Idaho, so what you would expect that, but it's still hilarious. Potato Bowl, Gift Sweet, Oakley Backpack, a beanie, football, proof I wear sunglasses. Rose Bowl, Penn State, USC, no doubt Penn State should be in the playoffs, to beating Ohio State, and then win the Big Ten, but, um, that's not going to happen, but they still should be there. Penn State and USC, Gift Suite, Fossil Watch, OGO Backpack, New Era, Nifty, Snapback Adjustable Hat, 960 Snapback Adjustable Hat. So, uh, Kentucky with a turnover. Briscoe out to Fox. Taking his 31 to 29. Been a spurty game, back and forth. Several lead changes already. Uh, Isaac Humphrey's on a mismatch. He's able to hold his ground pretty good. Um, but uh, startability, Clark Shellock likes to say, as the lead just changes hands again, had a tie, now he's had a lead change. Briscoe hitting De'Aaron Fox in transition off of a turnover. Uh, Catholic 31-29. Um, St. Petersburg Bowl, Miami versus Miami, Ohio, Mississippi State, this week, Oakley Turbine Sunglasses, Enduro 20 backpack. Sugar Bowl, Auburn, Oklahoma. Gift Sweet, Fossil Watch, Custom Tan, and a Meat Air Cap. Fun Bowl, North Carolina Pepper, Gift Sweet, Family Watch Company, Silverstone Watch, Majestic Pro Base Fruits Pullover, OGO Positive Backpack, Under Armour Cap, and a coin, like a commemorative coin. So that's the first commemorative coin that you see from these bowl games. Four minutes left, Cat. 31-29, first half from the Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Let's take one last break. We are going to about halftime. The show end probably right around the time the first half ends. Back and forth game by the lead changes. It's going to be a fun second half. Already shaping up to be a close one, as you would expect, between these two teams. Catch up to four minutes dead on the nose left in the first half. Kentucky and Louisville will be right back. Catch up Wednesday. Benny Hardy, BlockTalkRadio.com.
up, we touch and you gonna keep me up until We laugh, we talk, but we never confirm if this is real Michigan, they would not disclose 
Hey, we ain't telling y'all what the swag is going to be. But, hey, Cotton Bowl, they do what they want. Don't mess with Texas. That's that's basically what you derive out of that. Um, says the college football playoff national championship, iconic gift. So they, I mean, iconic. So who, you know, whoever makes it from Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Washington, whoever makes it is getting an iconic gift. Uh, Lamar Jackson in the house watching Cats and Cards. Kentucky is up 32-31. to 31. Three minutes, 21 seconds left in the first half. So that was uh, the lowdown on our bowl swag. And, you know, it's just fun to look at that kind of stuff, see what these young cats are getting. Um, some swaggier than others because some bowls are more prestigious than others. And look, if you're a cotton bowl, you can just take the fifth. You don't want to tell. They just say, we're not going to disclose. And that's the end of it. So those people, those teams just have to wait and see when they get there. Uh, tie game three, Louisville just scores. Kentucky uh, is racing back down, uh, looking to get in their offense as well. We'll see what they do. We're still doing man-to-man little pick and roll. Fox and Bam kick it out to Derek Willis. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's, he's got to step up. Briscoe. They're going to call him for a charge when he was halfway by. He had the shoulder by. They're going to call an offensive foul. All right. 33-33, two minutes, 40 seconds left in the first half. I give a shout-out to uh, some friends of ours. I'm not sure you may have saw my tweet earlier at Vinny Hardy on Twitter, uh, at Hardy V on Instagram. Uh, I think it's just Vinny Hardy on Facebook as well. But uh, our best friend, Tony Nicasio Wallace, just welcomed a brand-new little baby daughter into the world yesterday, Quinley Autumn Wallace. Uh, so I was able to go, my wife and I were able to go and see her a few hours after she was born uh, yesterday. So uh, she's doing good. Uh, Mom is tired. They're both tired. And little miss was up all night. Any of us who have had children, you know, mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, those first few nights sleeping there in the hospital before you get to bring the baby home, uh, it's exhausting, it's tiring, it's joyous all at the same time. Congratulations and shout out to Tony and Casey, big brother now, new big brother Jakari, because he's got a new baby sister and Quinley Auto. Uh, our kids and Jakari play together all the time as Bam just dunked all over Louisville to tie the game at 35. And now Quinley will be uh, the one little lady with our two boys and their son Jakari. So she'll no doubt rule the roost and be the princess that everybody thinks she's going to be. Offensive foul on Louisville to take this ball back. 203 left. 35-35, bam, with a drop step and just dunks all over the Louisville big man, number 14. don't have his name right now, but he knows who Bam Adebayo is. Another thing, too, that you want to be grateful for as a fan of Kentucky football, when you look up at Minnesota, who they've had you know, sexual assault, sexual assault scandals, um, 
things of that nature. Um, players suspended, players boycotting, players that you know don't want to play. Kentucky didn't have to deal with any of that. There weren't any major discipline problems. Uh, even last year, uh, we saw maybe some chemistry problems. We saw a little bit of a time period where uh, Boom Williams uh, looked like he may have, have left the team, uh, didn't have anything like that to deal with. Uh, Coach Stoops and the players, they had a smooth year from a harmonious standpoint, uh, from a harmony standpoint, from a chemistry standpoint, from a togetherness standpoint. There weren't any uh, distractions like that, you know, suspensions and uh, difficulties uh, on a grand scale. Like what you see, for example, and I don't mean to, you know, be hard on Minnesota, but, you know, they that could be relative. You know, sexual assault, you don't ever want that, no matter if you're on a team or not. Um, but the fact that Kentucky didn't have to deal with anything like that, their only adversity was, basically from losing games and from injuries. When we saw the 0-2 start, the injury to Drew Barker, that was things they had to deal with. It wasn't out the field, bad judgment, you know, bad decisions, disciplinary problems like that. So that is good. And, you, and you, it doesn't get mentioned, but it needs to be mentioned because um, it's – Easier than you want to think for things to go awry, for problems like that uh, to to pop up and present themselves. As Kentucky once again, like I said, this is a spurt game. Kentucky has spurted back ahead by five, forty to thirty-five. As uh, we look for the second half here, boom! It's like just more than a minute left, and we'll hit the three. They are hitting three better than you would think. That is keeping them in the ball game. I'm sorry, that, that, that's just a two, 40-37. But still, a lot of long-range deep shots. Quinn Snyder already on his average, 11 points. Uh, he's got that in the first half. He averages 11 a game. Fox with a tough mid-range jumper. Boom gets the rebound. And here they come. Moveable uh, ball, 33 seconds left. We are closing things out here on our show, the final few minutes. Uh, speaking of Kentucky football, too, you know, had to praise them for, for not having major obstacles from the discipline standpoint. Um, as far as presenting an obstacle, the offensive line deserves a lot of credit. Coach Slammer deserves a lot of credit. And that got highlighted a few weeks ago, too, you know, once the season ended, awards were given out. Jonathan Allen, the – Superb defensive lineman from Alabama. Uh, you remember the play against Texas A&M where he flips the uh, guard, hurdles the linebacker, still sacks the quarterback. Jonathan Allen on who he thought the most physical offensive line that he faced was, he said it was Kentucky. He said those guys brought it, they were physical, and you know, they kind of took us off guard, caught us off guard for a minute. So, uh, that tells you all you need to know. He's about to play in the playoff. A lot of people think Alabama's a lot to win another national championship or at least beat Washington and get to the national championship game against either Clemson or Ohio State. And way back on October the 1st, when Kentucky went to Tuscaloosa, that still remains the toughest offensive line he has faced all season. 
You know, not LSU, not Auburn, not Arkansas, not Tennessee, not any of those teams, not Florida in the SEC championship game, Kentucky. Kentucky's own line is the toughest that Jonathan Allen faced. So that speaks volumes to what Coach Slomit is doing, coaching these guys up, the whole staff as a whole, recruiting, the depth that is being built. Because, you know, we, we saw a lot of guys that were able to red shirt this year uh, when normally they, they would, have been, would have been playing maybe before they were physically ready to play. Now they will be ready going into next year. You still have that depth. You still have that rotation. You lose John Tote. Um, the excellent third who's going to the NFL, but that's going to be strong and experienced everywhere else. Uh, and the red shirt guys will be able to step up and contribute next year. So high praise from Jonathan Allen as well. <clears throat> Coming up on the 25th, we have a couple of documentaries that we definitely want to make sure we watch. Uh, Cameron Mills went down to Miami for the, the reunion uh, for the 1916. The documentary is called The Team. We'll be on various different TV stations throughout the state uh, on the evening of the 25th, so that's four days away. <clears throat> Kyle Mason's coming out with a documentary from the Raptors of Rupp. It's kind of like a series. It'll be a couple episodes a month from now until March. So you got two things to look forward to, and that's coming out on the 25th as well. So both of those guys are doing big things, and, you know, we as UK fans are going to gobble that up just like we do with all the books. And, and our podcast, of course, Cal's podcast, everybody's loving that. Uh, we'll be talking about that on the shows in the future, uh, the documentary, the podcast, as well as what happens on the court, on the field. Uh, we'll be talking about every bit of that. Uh, the 30 for 30 that Cal is coming about, Coach Cal, uh, is coming out in April. Where we have uh, a lot of things to continue to look forward to. Uh, we reached halftime in Louisville, and like I said, the first half of the game, the second half of this evening's show would kind of run right together. And it's halftime between 40 to 39. Um, so unless things slow down quite a bit, looks like they're going to race past my 71-64 prediction. Uh, looks like they, you know, Louisville put up 35 points. And, you know, concern is can they put up enough points? They put up 39 already, not 35, pardon me. Put up 39, 40 to 39. It's what you would expect from a robbery game, what you expect from two top ten teams, you know, six-ring team in the country, ten-ring team in the country, both teams 10-1. Um, second half is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Kentucky continues to recruit well. Well, also um, got a – Another defensive end today. Uh, and last week, like I said, I missed Lonnie Johnson was his name. I blanked on the name. It was Lonnie Johnson. Uh, Pascal, uh, Isaiah Epps. So uh, congratulations to those guys. Let's see if we can pull up the name of the three-star defensive end today. And, I mean, that's building up defensive end, defensive players, you know, stocking the team up. Uh, that is going to bode well very soon also. Um, catch all of this on the podcast that goes up, blogtalkradio.com slash cats talk. Uh, we're in the final minute. Looking forward to this second half. Um, 
Louisville was three for six from three-point line. Like I said, shooting 50%. You know, they, they don't do it. They don't do it. But uh, here they are shooting at a better clip than you would expect. Uh, Jordan Wright, defensive end of community Kentucky today. So uh, congrats on him deciding to be a U.K. Wildcat. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to the show, whether it be this evening or later on, tonight or tomorrow, or whenever it is you decide to pop in the podcast. We appreciate it. BlockTalkRadio.com slash CatTalk. Uh, iTunes as well. Uh, Grayson Allen tripping people left and right. Um, so, uh, we're going to call it an evening. Thanks to Terry calling in from the Young Center. Thanks to the great Lee Steinberg calling in to the show as well. Another edition of Cats Talk Wednesday is in the book for TV. This is Vinny Hardy. We'll see you next week on Cats Talk Wednesday, Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. See y'all next Wednesday. We'll see how the rest of the game plays out. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you next week.